from the Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go ahead and introduce the crew to you guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. Uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaller, and also all retired this evening. Uh, we have Captain Brett Bartlett, Lieutenant Randy Sutton. Uh, we've got um, special agent, yeah, special agent, because he's special, Dan O'Kelly. And we've got Corporal David DeGresta and producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys, for being on the show. And also a, a shout-out to our sponsors. Uh, we have Galls, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, and TACTOTE.com. So thanks to all those entities for helping make this happen. Uh, another great lineup, both the panelists and the topics that we have this evening. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. We're doing a Police One special this evening. So I know it's been a while since we've done one. We're going to get back on the monthly routine uh, for Police One. Uh, so this first one, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about uh, police leadership. Um, and we're really talking about courageous leaders and we're kind of splitting it up um, in the different topics. So uh, thank you, uh, Randy, for helping us out with this one. So let's talk about courageous leaders, you know, the good, the bad. Now, remember that um, this might be going out on the leaders newsletter uh, for Police One, in addition to maybe the members newsletter. So we may be having uh, I think it's 43,000 plus leaders across the country that get this leaders newsletter through Police One. Um, so, uh, Lieutenant Randy, you want to start us off on this? Long. Randy, you are muted, so can't hear you. Try that again. Can you hear me now? Yep, Will got you. Okay, good. So I don't think there's a, any more important a topic in today's law enforcement environment than leadership. And what we have seen uh, in, in very many instances, especially during the political um, uprisings and protests, et cetera, is a, a true dearth of courageous leadership. Uh, we've seen it in in uh, Seattle, in Portland. We've seen it in uh, in many other uh, locations throughout the country where leaders fold. Um, a perfect example is when uh, in Portland, when uh, excuse me, Seattle, when uh, they were ordered to basic the police were ordered during one of the the uh, George Floyd riots to abandon ship and allow the rioters to literally take over the precinct. And then, and then seed an entire uh, number of blocks uh, to these violent um, uh, thugs. And that was, that was a decision made by law enforcement leadership, of course, city leadership as well. So men and women of law enforcement are looking, looking, they are, they are thirsty for leaders that are going to be courageous. And this is going to be an a, a, uh, incredibly important topic as we move forward in trying to combat um, the, the damage that has been done over the last few years. Perfect. Thank you so much. And, and of course, you know, it, I guess, I, I guess, Randy, it filters down too. I mean, you know, from the, uh, you know, from the top down, you know, to the troops. And then of course they're always, you know, the watch and the leadership. So, um, anyone, I, Corporal David, why don't you weigh in? Yeah. Randy took the top. I'll take the, uh, the, the, the like you said, the filtering down part of it. You know, you talk about the, the street level guys that, are just basically seeing and hearing what's going on above them and then everything gets filtered through their majors and captains down to the lieutenants the sergeants and the corporals and then to them and it's those those lower level uh supervisors the the sergeants the guys that are on the street on the streets with the guys that play a real important role in what i saw in a really good book 
called the the uh, the mission, the men, and me. Um, and it talked about how though you as a supervisor of a squad of guys that are actually on the street working, how much you can influence those guys' daily working lives, uh, that work environment, that support, uh, that that champion, that that place as a supervisor is equally as important as all the garbage that they're getting from up above in some of those cities. And those supervisors can do a lot of good in buffering that from the guys on the street, keeping them focused on the mission uh, and making sure that their work environment there on the street is as good as he can make it, he or she can make it for them. Um, we used to joke taking supervisory uh, testing and stuff like that when you're trying to get promoted. And one of the things that we came to realize sometimes was, and the unfortunate reality was if you wanted to pass the, the test, be a <laughs> deny time off, do all that sort of stuff. And you would pass the test. And it was kind of funny that way. We, we laughed about it when we looked at it or saw it or realized it was a joke. Um, but nonetheless, a, another important level of super of supervision right there with the guys on the street. Well, thanks. So, David, I know you're talking about insulating the troops from a lot of the crap that's going on um, above their heads, basically. Uh, yeah, you know, above the for the sheriff. I, it, I, I think insulating is a little bit is a little bit tough. You, you can't really you can't really insulate. There's no way to to really block everything from them. They've got to know they, they see it in the newspaper. They see it. They hear it everywhere. So there's no no real way, I think, to insulate, but to buffer just to 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 make sure that they understand what is going to affect them, what's not, what their mission is, to stay mission focused, um, to, to maintain their, their level of discipline and uh, principle and all that sort of thing that makes them what they are, um, a good street cop. Uh, that mission, or to perform the mission, a supervisor that does that is invaluable to those guys on the street. Okay. Now, now Lieutenant, I know we've got a story this evening. We've got a police chief taking up for his troops even though one of the worst things that can happen happened, a number of these guys dealing with um, the riots and stuff, um, they ran it before a grand jury, and, and some of these guys are getting indicted. But he's 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 sticking by his men, and he's really saying that he didn't see, given the circumstances, he did not see anything worthy of criminal charges. Um, so does 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 his actions do they come into play here in what we're talking about? Uh, you're talking, of course, about Austin. And the, the police chief there came out very, very supportive of his officers. Um, of course, we have uh, a, a activist district attorney, a Soros-funded Trojan horse district attorney there who's made this decision. It is, it is absolutely stunning that he would go to indict 19 police officers for their actions in during the riots where they were physically assaulted literally hundreds of times. He only, he only uh, uh, charged a handful of the rioters who attacked the police with bottles and rocks and firebombs. But he wants, he wants to charge the officers for using lower, lower lethality rounds, um, which they were absolutely uh, um, ordered to utilize. And uh, this, is the, this is something that, that law enforcement officers are going to watch throughout the nation. But the chief came out. Um, in, in deep support of his officers. And this is going to be a battle to watch. 
All right. You know, I, I remember, you know, <laughs> it brings back memory. We've got a guy named Eric Diaz watching the show on Facebook. And I just think about, you know, that's when you got, you get a bunch of bad guys on a roof that are throwing rocks and bottles. And you say, hey, Eric, go up there. And next thing you know, bodies are flying off the roof and landed on the ground. You know, that too bad those days are gone, I guess. But um, anybody else on, on the, on this topic before we move on? Yeah. And, go ahead, Captain. I think in this day and age, um, uh, supervision is so much more important than it was just two years ago. And those 19 Austin officers are, they're, they're basically being made an example of for all over the country to try to tell police officers, don't go out and arrest anybody, especially if they're out there throwing rocks and bottles, and especially if their message doesn't meet your message. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Whoever is pushing against those officers, whether it's mayor, the city council, they need to pull the officers out of that councilman's zone and give them exactly what they want, exactly what they want. Defund the police in their liberal square of the universe and see how it works. These knuckleheads need to pay for what they've done to us. But in a, in a, in a, in a legal way, just so no one misinterprets. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just step out, yeah. just step out, put up, uh, put up Jersey barricades around, uh, Council person, so-and-so zone, no problem at all, council person. We'll let you handle this. You got it. All right. Well, thank you. Um, Randy, did you want to give us some closing words on this? You know, I, there's there's so many aspects of this. We could literally talk about this all night, but let's talk about the, the, the issue of um, not being able to recruit police officers. Much of that is because of leadership. And I want to point out um, a, a very, uh, a, a police leader, that I believe is inspiring, uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb of Pinal County. And uh, I've watched him in action. I've heard from his officers that this is a, a deeply devoted individual to his, to his troops and to courageous leadership. And you want to know something interesting? He doesn't have any problem at all getting recruits for his agency. And that is the message. Concur. I concur. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys. Um, excellent input on this. So thank you very much. And, uh, you know, moving along here, let's go to our, um, I guess, our, our, our next one that's going to be lined up here. It's going to update. It's a vaccine mandate update. It's on Police One, and the info is also on policetribune.com. Um, so I've got a few of these. So three Boston police and fire unions avoid the vaccine mandate after appeals court ruling. So it says the unvaccinated members will have to be tested regularly while the legal challenge continues. So they've got a little breath of, uh, of air. Uh, but again, um, you know, I'm predicting that State of the Union address on March the 1st, you know, Biden is going to claim victory over COVID and this stuff will be a mute point anyhow. Um, so next, the second article, we've got 1,430 officers, or I guess unvaccinated NY, uh, you know, New York City employees have been fired, including 36 NYPD police officers. And it says that nearly all the fired employees have been on unpaid leave for over three months. And then uh, lastly, we've got Sheriff says County is moving the fire up to 4,000 department employees. So we're in Los Angeles County in California. And remember, they took the authority of the fire away from the sheriff because he simply wasn't going to get that done for them. So they've given it um, to other supervisors, and that's what they're planning on doing. So um, that's coming down the pipe as well. Hey, guys, it's time for commercial break. So we will be right back.
right, look, let's talk about Medicare. Yes, we're none of us are getting any younger. So um, your Medicare insurance options, there's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County, Florida alone, which is where I'm at. These benefits, they can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? You contact MyMedicare.live or call area code 813-245-6656, um, especially if you're in Hillsborough County around the Tampa Bay area. I uh, talk to James or Bobby. They'll meet you in person, save you money on the medication co-pays that you're going to have to pay. Um, and that's maybe if you have to pay them, they'll help you find plans that your doctors accept. And they'll also give you more of the benefits that you actually qualify for. So again, area code 813-245-6656 or mymedicare.live. And also Galls at Galls.com. Hey, actually, they're having a, uh, a President's Day sale uh, right now. It is a 20% off uh, Brett site wide. So um, that's incredible. So Galls.com, pretty much everything but guns and ammunition. So uh, we're big fans of Galls. So please check them out. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Guys, if there's no comments on the updates from the uh, COVID vac vaccine mandates and all that stuff, then I'll go in and jump into our first video for this evening, and we have some good ones. So this first one, it's on Police One. Uh, Phoenix Police, they released a video of an ambush uh, before the nine officers were wounded. So we covered this last week, but we did not have access to this video. And this is the initial um, shooting that went down, and I will tell you guys, I, you know, hard, well, I'm sure everybody that saw it just extremely hard to watch. Um, so again, Phoenix police on Thursday, they released 26 seconds. It's only 26 seconds long of a body camera footage. It was last week's ambush, um, a barricaded situation that left, um, five police officers shot, four others were injured uh, due to the shrapnel and ricochets. So, uh, the brief, but graphic footage, according to the article, it shows police officer walking up to the front door of a home where a woman reportedly had been shot around two o'clock in the morning on Friday and she later died. So they're responding to a 911 call about the shooting. And so the guy in the doorway, um, he says, come on, come on. She's choking on her blood. And that's what he, he's got the open doorway. He's got his left hand down to the side and he's standing sideways bladed. So the officer can't really see anything on the left side of his body, including his hand or what he might have in it. So as the 23 year old officer moves closer, he asks this guy that has no shirt on uh, in the doorway, who else is in the house? And so the guy says, hey, just me. And then he raises the handgun with his left hand and he fires at least six shots at the policeman who was severely wounded in his right arm and he could not return fire. So the cop is running away from the bad guy and he, he's, you know, frantically, you know, screaming 99, 999. I've been shot, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the mic. Uh, but you can still hear shots being fired as he's running away. And that's the bad guy, you know, shooting, you know, shooting at him. It, it just, just horrific. Um, I can only watch it once or twice. I couldn't take any more than that. Um, Brett, you want to start us off on this? I had to watch that a few times to get all the details. It's really horrifying. He lured them in um, and, and we all could have been subject to this in our career. Somebody calls up and says, somebody's hurt. Hey, hurry, hurry, they need help, they need your help. And you go rushing in. The last thing you're thinking is that knucklehead's gonna pull a gun. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he got his reward and I'm glad the police are okay. But I don't know how you can train yourself out of that. I don't, I don't know what else he could have done. I see David shaking his head. You know, the cop was, uh... Uh, you know, I, I, with some of the videos we get on the show, I, I, I was really expecting the cop, cop not to be as cautious as he was. He was engaging the, the what turned out to be the bad guy. At this point, we just think he's a, a complainant. But he engages the guy in conversation, talking to him. There's dialogue going on. Um, didn't 
didn't ask to see the, you know, the, you know, you couldn't see what's on the side of his body, but I, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, the, the, the role switched, you know, quickly, uh, corporal. Yeah. I, like he's, like you were saying, Chip, that's probably the only thing that saved his life was, was that he engaged the guy at the front door in just that com just that much conversation, which slowed him down just that much, uh, to where he wasn't closer than he was when, when the guy pulled the gun up. And like Brett said, I, how do you train out of that? I mean, how do you, that's one of those situations that's so unforeseeable. Um, yeah, that could have been anybody, any one of us. Um, that's a tough one. I mean, you, you end up putting yourself, you end up putting police in a position where you're saying to yourself, okay, I don't care what the call is. Um, you make everybody come out of the house one at a time. I don't give a crap if you're responding to a, a, a de delayed burglary call. You make the complaint come out of the house, put your hands up, I'm going to pat you down that sort of crap. I mean, that's really what it's coming to. But this is like Brett said, you, you can't train out of this. There's no way. Well, thanks. And, and you know, I, I know, Dane, I know you've got your mic open. I just want to point out that, you know, I, I, I you know, we have a great YouTube audience and, and our guys, you know, engage on under all the videos and David's on there actually talking to these guys, you know, and there was a, a good exchange David had this past week with somebody. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll let that go. But, uh, but, you know, we always get accused, and it's not true because, you know, the people don't really, you know, the people that are accused of this don't really watch the show. Uh, we get accused of taking up too much for the blue and the thin blue line, and we take up, our, but see, we're, uh, or, or that we're overly critical. In, in this particular case, you know, we're acknowledging that. I mean, it's easy for us to do Monday morning quarterback and saying, yeah, if I was there, I could have done it better, would have done this, would have done that. But we're not doing that in this case. We're just saying that, you know, if the bad guy, if somebody really wants you bad enough, you know, they're going to be able to get you. And the cop did enough to, you know, I, I think that the cops asking the questions and getting close to the guy decided that he, he couldn't wait for the cop to get any closer because the cop was engaging him and he, and he had to shoot him at least from a little bit of a distance, not much, uh, within 10 feet. But, uh, you know, we're, we're applauding the officer, you know, who survived for that. So uh, so just pointing out that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're telling it like it is without overly padding, padding our capabilities. Uh, but uh, agent uh, Special Agent Dan O'Kelly from ATF, uh, glad you're on the show. The floor is yours. You know, I wish you'd quit saying special agent ATF in a good natured way. This, this comes from my cop experience, my 11 years, whole 11 years uh, on the street as a cop before ATF. But at the risk of differing with Brett and Dave, respectfully, whatever happened to the dead, the, the 10 deadly errors, uh, you know, which include watch the person's hands. Uh, you know, I'm just going to respectfully offer that because I'd like to see some cops saved out there by reminding everybody, you know, since the 70s. And I'm one of the old timers. I started as a cop in the 70s. And the book uh, Officer Down Code 3 by Pierce Brooks, and he outlines, you know, the 10 deadly errors, including, you know, don't close with somebody if you can't see their hands. And I think having uh, exercised that in this case may have saved that officer that that pretty bad injury uh, i mean good good point dan um you bring you bring a, a good point in you know i suspect cops after watching this video they're going to really be on their guard for the next week and do exactly that before they let things kind of slack off a little bit but uh but you you know you you bring up a good point is there anybody else on this guys if not We've got another video, you know, waiting for us. And, you know, our, our uh, you know, using um, StreamYard, 
you know, it, it lets us see the postings of everybody um, from all the outlets, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, YouTube or wherever. So when we're streaming on Twitter, all kinds of stuff. So it, it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, so let me jump into our next one real quick. I know we got a commercial break coming up in about a minute, but we're on police tribune.com a video associated with this another one hard to hard to watch but just just from sheer stupidity i think david um motorcyclist slams into richmond police officer trying to stop him and uh so yeah richmond police in virginia police have charged the man they actually charged this guy with multiple felonies after he ran over richmond police officer with his motorcycle last month uh but people listen to the story you know Look, we're, we're going to describe in great detail what goes down in the video. But if you want to see it on our Facebook page, which is Leo Roundtable, all you have to do is just go there and advance the show. We put the links up to all the videos and all the stories in advance of the show. So you can look at them before, during or, or afterwards. And then uh, producer Will puts up these stories with the videos embedded into them Tuesday through Saturday on YouTube and on, uh, on Rumble. Uh, but anyhow, I'm going to get into uh, what happens in this video. Let's take a commercial break real quick and we'll be right back. Let's talk about industry leader and technology solutions for law enforcement. It's Guardian Alliance Technologies. Their software will cut background investigators' time in half. Now, we all know that there is a, a call for more accountability in hiring and selecting who gets to wear the badge. Now, Guardian has developed a CGIS-compliant background investigative software platform that helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. And with Guardian, the entire background check process, it's more comprehensive, but it's also much faster for both the agency and the applicants. Now, there's no upfront fees or long-term commitments, so I strongly recommend that you visit them today at guardianalliancetechnologies.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Yes, we are in uh, Richmond, Virginia. So uh, police have charged a man with multiple felonies after he ran over a Richmond police officer with a motorcycle. Uh, the incident started at 5 p.m. January 25th when Richmond police officers, uh, plural, responded to multiple reports of motorcycles being driven aggressively near an intersection. This was reported by WWBT. So cell phone video showed motorcycles driving up and down the street. They're popping wheelies. They're speeding. There's erratic you know, movements. Uh, so the video shows one officer um, stopped his police vehicle in the median and he gets out and so richmond police told wric that an officer gets out of the suv he was directing traffic this is what apparently they said when he was struck by motorcycle driven by 22 year old jacob terry mcclung i see david laughing because he knows what really happened so that's what the cops said happened and the article goes on to say that however the video shows that the officer actually steps into the roadway appearing to have purposely placed himself in front of the oncoming motorcycle so in the video Officer even goes as far as to spread his arms wide, appears to sidestep in front of the oncoming motorcycle. I don't know what he thought he was going to be able to do. So another video shows uh, another motorcycle pulls up. After he, after both the cop and the motorcycle rider and the motorcycle, they all go down. Another motorcycle pulls up um, next to the crash. And then uh, this is where McClung, the guy that was on the first cycle, um, you know, he's, he's thrown from his bike. He runs, he gets, you know, on the other motorcycle, takes off, and uh, they end up using, what was it, the, uh, I think it was the Marshal's office. Yeah, U.S. Marshal's Fugitive Task Force tracks him down. So he's booked into the Richmond Justice Center, charges a felony hit and run, felony eluding, reckless driving, and a number of traffic 
violations. He was initially ordered held without bond by WWBT reported that. And if convicted on these charges, he faces more than 11 years in prison, according to WRIC. Wow. Um, who wants to take this one first? Brett, you want to start? I know you're a big motorcycle lover. Yeah, I, uh, I was able to pull the, uh, in one of my, my PI sites, I was able to pull the audio of the radio transmissions, and it went something like this. Hey, Bill, we're not able to stop him with our big trucks, SUVs. What I want you to do is step out in the middle of the road and put your arms real wide, because I saw a Jack Reacher movie once, and apparently that works. Ready, go. <laughs> Wow, you heard you heard all that, huh? Well, I'm impressed, yeah, Brett. I can't tell you where I got it, but from, from what I saw in the video, I actually I absolutely believe that's the way it went down, Brett. What do you think, Corporal? Yeah, this is one of those this is one of those cops, unfortunately, that we would have been chastising for trying to for trying to wrestle a car over to the side of the road too. He'd have been one of the ones that that would would have gone inside a car and got drugged down the road, as we have, you know, railed against for gosh knows how many videos. Uh, that was amazing. I, I had to wonder what he was thinking and and did he really think that that was going to go well for him a pedestrian versus a motorcycle um you, you know if you want to be if you want to be all that snap out that nightstick and stab it into the uh into the spokes of that thing as it's going by if you really want to get you want to really want to get freaky with it but other than that get out of the way you idiot that was just dumb but, but I do want to point out, David, that it made for a great video that we are now – we have on the show, and we have great oh, content because yeah, of that. To, to see the cop going head over tea kettle, you know, across the street as he's getting um, – I mean, that was just – I can't – I was astounded that he wasn't critically injured in that thing, um, in that mess. But other than that, wow. Well, Jeff, yeah. just thinking, 20-something years and that policeman retires, and he's thinking everybody's forgotten about it. At his retirement party, somebody's going to go, and now a video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to be there for that. Wow. All right, all good, guys. All right, moving along here then. Uh, I see Ward. I see you smiling, Ward. Ward's probably holding back on a motorcycle story for us that he, he's not sure comfortable enough to, to share, but we'll we'll loosen him up here. Uh, let's see our next one. We've got another update. Police one, 170 Randy, listen to this. 170 arrested as Canada police clear protesters in Ottawa. So, uh, yeah, so they they dislodged, according to the article on Police One, uh, anti-vaccine protesters from the street in front of Canada's parla uh, parliament building. They cleared the center of a weeks-long blockade that we've been reading about every day in the news that paralyzed the capital city's downtown and plunged the nation in the crisis, they say. Um, I, anyhow, that, that's... Anyhow, we'll get some more commentary on that. But by evening, a total of 170 people have been arrested as police intensified their actions, deploying pepper spray, batons, and mounted units to remove the demonstrators. Uh, guys, there's video of this that doesn't not look too good. Um, it, here's a quote from a Chief Steve Bell, and he's the Ottawa in interim chiefs because, remember, the last guy quit. He said, this operation is still moving forward. It's not over, and it will take more time until we have achieved our goals, and we are in this until it is over. And, of course, a lot of that has to has to deal with you know seizing you know funds of people who have made donations and tags and and taking part in this and it's just it's just it's just getting kind of crazy. Um, Randy, you want to start us off on this? I I was really I was very very disappointed in watching the police response to this. You know um, I guess maybe they don't have the same type of orders in Canada that you don't have to obey an illegal order. Uh, I, I saw this as, as a, a tremendous overreach of government utilizing law enforcement as its cudgel. 
And when you see that, um, that's, that is going to have a long-term effect on the way that the citizens of Canada deal with their police in the future, because they were thrown into a situation where they were jackbooted thugs. And they acted like that in some of these, um, you know, videotaped incidents. And then you add on to that the the government's uh, unbelievable communist approach to dealing with a vaccine mandate. And you, to me, I, Trudeau um, demonstrated himself to be a, a two-bit dictator, and I hope that they overthrow him. Wow. What do you think, Captain? Well, I'm going to ruffle a feather or two, but somebody out there is thinking what I'm thinking right now. Two years ago, we watched in Seattle people taking over an entire uh, couple of city blocks, and we all wondered, and we, we even said, where are the cops? Why don't they go in and they, you know, these people are blocking the streets. They don't have a right to block the streets. I guess it just means one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Now, I... I I'm on the side of the truckers, but that's, you know, I believe in what they were doing. But somebody's going to say it. Somebody's going to bring up because two years ago, we were saying, remove those people from the streets. They're blocking the streets and they're hurting the businesses. I hear you. I, I know, Dan, I know you had your, your mic open a second ago. I didn't mean to, to, um, to, to miss you, but, but go ahead. It's all good. I just had a quick comment. I just wanted to comment on what Randy said and say you were off by a half an inch, Randy. It's not communist, it's socialist. That's only about a half an inch away. Uh, I, and, and Dan, I apologize. I know you like me to say Special Agent Dan before your name, so I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, but hey, and on that other, may I, this whole COVID thing, in case anybody hasn't heard of it, in Chicago, at least, I know of an example where Somebody has claimed, somebody that works for the city, the county, whatever, I'll leave it at that, has claimed religious exemption to becoming vaccinated. And I'm surprised that hasn't caught on. Because if, you're, if you've noticed, uh, just by claiming religious exemption within law enforcement, you have Muslim police officers that get to wear full facial hair, wear turbans or whatever their hat is called, just saying, well, I don't know what it's called, but whatever, outside of normal uniform codes because of this religious thing. And uh, I know that's going on in the U.S. Marine Corps, too, so at least on a federal level. Um, not that that's law enforcement, but I'm surprised a lot of people, you know, being forced to get vaccinations haven't said, hey, against my religion, what are you going to do about it now? Yeah. Well, Dan, I'll tell you what, they, they, a lot of them have been denied in in law enforcement and the ones that are controlled by places like new york and los angeles things like that just like you said i was surprised denied and surprised equally surprised one of the updates they talked about cops that had had you know horrible reactions to the first shot and their doctors told them don't get the second one it's bad and they got fired too so like i said in the beginning this is all turned historic just immensely political there's it's got nothing to do with science or anything anymore it's nothing but politics. Back to Brett's point about about Canada. On Brett's point, I do I do agree. At some point, um, you know, the government does have a responsibility to say, "Okay, we got you. We got your point. Now you're disrupting, you know, national economy, and you're you're taking over a, a, a 
uh, property that you do not own or have the right to be trespassing on like this, you need to move, get to the side of the road. You want to have your protest, get on the side, get on the sidewalks and have your protest. Yes, I'm there with that. But then they take it a step further. And you have him, you know, seizing people's bank accounts and freezing things like that. You're going, holy crap. I mean, what laws do they have up there that we never knew about? It's like, holy my, my goodness, where they're doing stuff like that. That is the overreach. That is the part where you talk about socialist, communist, dictatorship. I mean, goodness gracious. And I watched a couple of blogs of people up in Canada, different attorneys and stuff talking about it. And nowhere did I ever hear them say, you're the ones that elected this guy. Deal with it. Thanks, David. Ward, hold it for a second. We're going to take another commercial break. We'll be right back. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and only company that offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Welcome back to Leo Roundtable Show. And I might point out that gunlearn.com, you know, Dan O'Kelly, I'm sorry, special agent Dan, you know, he's actually the founder of gunlearn.com. So he is the man, great organization. And even Brett has been certified, you know, with gunlearn. So he's now an instructor for them. So, uh, but that said, uh, Ward, the floor is yours. I will say what Brett alluded to. Uh, There were demonstrations about a year ago in Costa Rica where the protesters took over the one and only bridge leading to the area where my house was. I couldn't get back home for a couple of weeks. At the time, I was wishing there was some jackbooted thug Costa Rican cops to take them <laughs> off the bridge. But, but there's no such thing as a jackbooted Costa Rican cop. You're lucky to even see a cop. Uh, that being said, I guess I have ambivalent reactions. I, I think sometimes you got to push civil disobedience to get attention. Um, but I'll tell you what, it, it is it is absolutely uh, hard on people who are trying to get somewhere when when um, the streets are blocked. Thanks, Ward. And, and, and I'm glad you said that, you know, um, before you talk, Ward, David had said something about um, adverse reactions to the uh, to the vaccine. And I, I I didn't mention this in my uh, updates. I just didn't scroll down far enough. But in Maryland, it says cops fired after adverse reaction to first vaccine dose, taking doctor advice not to get the second. And of course, it ended up getting them fired. So uh, you helped me remember that, David. So thanks. Um, guys, anybody else references? I, I see, I, I guess Dan and, uh, and Brett have their mics open. So go ahead, guys. Go ahead, Dan. 
I just wanted to say that happens where there's no Second Amendment. Well, we got some good Second Amendment stuff coming up, like uh, a firearm manufacturer that ended up getting sued. And uh, and the article says that they were liable, but they settled out of court. So I would have to think that there was a no liability clause in there. But uh, go ahead, Captain. You know, I, I would tell these mask people, Did, didn't you watch the Super Bowl last Sunday when, you know, a, a, a stadium filled with humanity, nobody's wearing a mask, players aren't wearing a mask. The Don't owners aren't wearing a mask. Say again? I don't tell me who won. I don't want to know. Oh, I, I don't know. Some team. I might have been, what, the Chargers or some crap. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we ought to tell these people, look, start watching your own news. This is over with. It's over with. Get a life. Move on. But they can't let go of that political power. It tastes good. They like it. And they want to hang on for as long as they can because that's all they have left. Very good. All right, guys. Anybody else on this? Thanks, Captain. All right, moving along then, we've got another topic. This one's a, a, our second of three main topics that we have. It's on Police One, written by John Williams Sr. And, you know, I, I thought it had some good stuff in it. I mean, some of you guys might disagree with me, but it's titled A Letter to the American Public, Breaking Down Policing Myths. Um, let me tell you, I'm just going to take some highlights from it, uh, and I'm going to breeze through this as quick as I can. Myth one. Uh, any high school graduate can be a cop. And it, it article explains that actually many agencies require college credits, military service, um, some require degrees. Um, selection process is daunting, written exam, physical exam, uh, physical ability testing, uh, psychological screening, drug testing, which gets rid of a lot of people, polygraph, oral boards, probing background checks, and uh, many candidates fail that stuff as well. It talks about um, training, training. Um, in the academy, they talk about FTOs, um, mandatory annual training, all that stuff. Now, the second myth, cops have a workplace safety protections just like the rest of us. And it says that as public safety workers, uh, that they are not covered by federal OSHA standards in 24 states and in Washington, D.C. And in the 26 remaining states, it talks about um, lower standards and they don't really get the full benefit from that. I'll let you read the article to get the rest of that. Um, myth three, uh, we just need to offer more money and bonuses. Then we can get more people to work in law enforcement because of course we've got a hiring shortage, but uh, it takes one to two years. The article points out and uh, that's much too long of a period in time to wait. Myth four, with all the infrastructure recovery money being handed out by Congress, that should help law enforcement. Correct you know, with a question mark and it, it goes, it informs the reader that neither the recently passed $1.2 trillion infrastructure investment and jobs act, uh, nor the 1.75 trillion build a back better act, um, have language that improves pay benefits, training, or work conditions for law enforcement period. Myth five, police should be held accountable for their actions and should be able to be sued. Now it talks about explains what qualified immunity is, which we've done relentlessly on the show. And I still get in debates on YouTube about people saying that, you know, we haven't done this, but he talks about how the win a civil suit against a police officer complaints have to show the officer violated quote, clearly established law, unquote, most often by pointing out to, um, factually similar previous cases. Otherwise, officers are protected from liability. So they actually have to qualify for it. It talks about how in Colorado and New York City, they've already eliminated qualified immunity. And uh, the failed George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2021 would have elim eliminated it completely. Um, it talks about uh, Biden's indicated that he's going to be on the, uh, you know, removing the qualified immunity um, from cops. And it talks about Cops must be appropriately shielded up from civil liability without the fear of unfounded and frivolous lawsuits, which is why they created it. If they are expected to respond to the dangerous situations they encounter 
daily. Protection uh, of individual qualified immunity must be made federal law, not just judicial judicial doctrine open to interpretation by cities and states. So this guy's calling for federal law, which I know, Brett, you're not fan. You're not a big fan of federal law. I'm curious how you might feel about that. Myth six talks about police work being glamorous, exciting. While it talks about you know the huge number of uh, of duty deaths and uh, and you know that. If you're a police officer, you're four times more likely on the national average um, for something bad to happen to you as far as a work-related injury. It talks about civil suits, criminal charges, and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, and it, look, it goes on and on in all kinds of myths and debunking them. It's an article uh, worthy of reading for our users. Uh, producer Will will attach it under the video in the segment this week. Uh, Bart, do you want to start us off on this? we got about uh, three and a half minutes. Yeah, the author's comments on qualified immunity can be misleading. Uh Usually we talk about federal civil rights cases and qualified immunity as applied by the Supreme Court interpreting that statute. Neither Colorado nor New York City or President Biden or any other state in the union can take that away from police officers when it comes to a federal cause of action. What Colorado has done is created a, a state cause of action under the Colorado Constitution and said there's no qualified immunity with respect to that, not, not the federal cause of action. They've also, by the way, in Colorado, given the cops uh, indemnity uh, if they act in good faith. So I think they're at Colorado just cutting their own risk because they're going to be the ones ending up paying the judgment. And New York City has created a local cause of action and so no qualified immunity. So just to clear that up, the states and Biden and anyone else cannot take away qualified immunity when it comes to a federal cause of action. And in, and in studying this, this may be how these grants we talked about last week, how Biden may be trying to get rid of qualified immunity by convincing people to get grants. They have to create state or local causes of action without qualified immunity. All right. All right. Thank you, Ward. Um, I, I would like to hear, I know, Brett, you got your mic open. I'd like to hear what you have to think about it being a, a federal law addressing this too, and, and maybe war too. We've got about two and a half minutes, and that'll be the end of the first half of the show. So we'll end on this topic for the first half, but go ahead, Captain. Well, I think it's true that most agencies get sued over uh, uh, over uh, violation of cons uh, constitutional rights, not states' rights. So there, it has to be some involvement on the federal level because most cops don't get sued under the state. It's always under the, under the you know, the, the federal side of it. Now, but, uh, I'm just, but, I'm just, go ahead. but let me let me uh, definitively, though, Brett, I mean, do you, should there be a law about it? I mean, right now, it, what uh, Ward, it's judge made law, I guess, is what Ward said in the last episode. Should there be a federal law addressing it for everybody? I mean, anytime, no matter anytime what, you have a, anytime you have a federal law, some something's going to go to crap. You know, are you going to write that so loosely? Because, you know, a court case is a court. Every fact is different. So you need to have that leeway. I'm opposed to anything. Federal people should get out of this out of the cops' lives anyway, except you know under those lawsuits. But trying to write a federal law, I think you're just asking for trouble. From my very limited viewpoint. All right, thanks, Captain uh, Ward. You've got uh, about a minute and fifteen seconds. There's there's actually nothing wrong with inherently with judge-made law. The United States is a common law legal system is our 49 of the 50 states, which essentially is judge-made law. Um, just it depends on who, whether you agree with the judges or not, whether you use that term derogatorily or not. Uh, I don't think you need a federal uh, protection of police officers uh, with respect to the federal law because the Supreme Court has supplied that in its interpretation of the civil rights case. I think it would probably be unconstitutional to have a federal law 
protecting police officers from qualifying immunity with respect to state or local causes of action. All right. Thank you, Ward. Um, guys, if there's well, excellent commentary, I've got just enough to get in the thing about Kim Potter then before we end the first half. So on police one, Kim Potter, ex copy shot Dante Wright, sentenced to two years in prison. Uh, remember the whole uh, um, firearm said the taser thing? So um, it says, uh, yes, uh, the judge Chu handed down the sentence after hearing victim in- impact statements and arguments from the prosecution and Porter's defense. Just served the first 16 months in prison, the balance on supervised uh, release. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Guys, that is the uh, end of the first half of the show. Um, and for those people who listen to our 90 minute show, 90 minutes makes for a perfect, you know, two hours of radio because every, um, every hour of radio has 15 minutes of news, traffic, weather, and sports. So, um, that's why we split it up into 45 minute segments for radio. Um, so look, stick with us. We'll have the second half of the show coming up in just one second. 